Hello, and welcome back to True Crime Guys Podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Michael. How's everybody doing? Doing good, man. I just finished up a hamburger here. I was kind of yeah, hungry I was gonna, before the show. Yeah, so. I don't know. I guess it's good that you ate. Hopefully, you yeah. have a strong stomach to maintain what's in there. Hopefully, if you're listening to this right now, you're not uh, like just finishing up uh, your first half of your day on your way to your lunch break. You know, you're like, oh, right. I'm going to go to that new barbecue joint and you try a pulled pork sandwich. Yes. Mm. God, that sounds delicious. Maybe don't go there. Maybe oh. go get a salad. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe make it a meatless salad. Monday if you're listening to this on Monday. Or no, it's it, it's going to be Wednesday when this is up. That's meatless right. Wednesday. Meatless when Wednesday. Doesn't sound as good. For all you good, vegans, but... you're gonna you're gonna be justified and and vindicated in this in this episode as to why dude. you shouldn't eat meat, especially strange meat on the side of the road. Don't do right. that. Right. All right, dude. I'm gonna ask you a question. How many people do you think have ingested something, a type of meat in their lifetime? That was not what they thought it was. Every single person. Every single person? You yes. think every single person has ingested? Well, if you've eaten Taco Bell, right, you've pretty much. Okay. If you are <laughs> a, your average, let's just say the average American, right? American citizen right. That, that's on the Amer- American diet, you know, okay. eating fast food from time to time. Maybe you don't eat it every day. Maybe you have fast food once a week or once, maybe even once a month. Right. Every single one of those people have had some meat that they didn't, that they, it was not what they thought it was. Karen mm-hmm. fucking teed. Actually, Joe Salatin was on Joe Rogan's podcast. He's a, like an all natural farmer, does it okay. the right way. He, I don't, I don't know if you've heard about him, but like his farm, it, it's all self-contained. Like he moves the, chi- like he has the chickens uh, in one spot and they go around pecking at the, where the cows were the day before and they eat, pick through that. And like, they, he just rotates all the animals around the way it should be done as opposed to caging them all up inside factories and stuff. Right. He was saying that the average, on average, the average burger that you, the, that you eat from the grocery store or from a fast food place has, what was it? It was either like 60 or it was like just a, a stupid amount of, of animals. Like in, in one burger, there's like 60 different animals ground up into it or whatever. 60 different animals? Yeah, and he said like burgers that come from his farm is one. One cow is what that patty came from. So I'm saying like there's so probably farmers and stuff across the- So when you're saying 60 different animals, you're saying like it may be parts of 30 cows and Yeah, all, all the chickens. same animal, the, the same the, type of animal, but came from 60 different cows, you know, all ground up and whatnot. And why is that a problem if they're all raised the same? I don't know. I'm just saying, like, I, I think also some stuff can get mixed up. You know, if you're working in, if, if you're talking some of these mass mass farms that mm-hmm. don't do things the right way, maybe some different types of animal or maybe like a finger from a factory worker ended up in there. We've eaten uh-huh. some messed up shit is what I'm saying. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. All of Especially- us have had something that was funky for right. sure. Especially if you live in a big city with a lot of food trucks um, yeah. you know, small food stands, hot dog stands, you know, I mean, who knows, honestly, yeah. I mean, that's, if you've that's gone small. to a lower end restaurant, uh, like maybe the health grade and all that, who knows what kind of crap they're mixing in just to cut a few bucks, you know? <sighs> yeah, I know, man. There's been, I can think like of a, a street few cat, restaurants. Yeah, cut up, you know, chop yeah. up some street cat and mad and mix it in with their, their food. Who knows? <laughs> hey man, you'll never know. You throw a little teriyaki sauce on that shit. That's the beauty. Know, right? When you go out to eat, you just gotta just just, just kind of ignorance is bliss, you know. That's right. You just buy in. Every, listen, every restaurant does nasty shit. That's just how it is. Right. Anybody that's worked yeah. in the restaurant business will tell you. We've all seen waiting, right? If you haven't seen waiting, you got to see that one. Yeah, uh, that's right. Ryan Reynolds, one of his earlier films, those classic. Isn't Dane Cook in that as well? Yes, he was the he was the cook. Dane was the cook. 
Yes. And and he was disgusting. (laughs) He was. He was absolutely disgusting. Yeah. But he played that role perfectly. He looks like he could be a a gross cook at an Applebee's. (laughs) Well, dude, you know, he worked at Burger King. That was like one of his first jobs. He's got a bit about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Oh, that's right. He called it the BK Lounge. (laughs) Yep, yep. Dude, my wife and I, that was uh, like the first year that we dated. We went and saw him at at the, I think it was the Mandalay Bay Arena. We saw him way back, probably like 07 or something, back when he was massive. Yes, dude. Yes, he was blowing up when we were in high school. He's still funny. It still actually does hold up. I know he gets he catches some shit for like being hokey or whatever, but like, listen to his old specials. They are still funny. I think at least. You just have to take it. Yeah, you just have to understand that the dude's a spaz, and that's just how. That's just his level of. That's his style of comedy. You know what I mean? It is. He's like. um, He's like not quite as as spastic as Jim Carrey. Right. You know, he just hit it just the right time. Didn't uh did he steal material or did someone steal some material from him or he got in some he got in some trouble, didn't he? Dane? Yeah. Um I don't I don't recall anything like that. I know that he got he had went through some hard times where he had, he had lost someone close to him. Um and then also his manager which was like his brother or something had completely stole all of his money. That's and what so, I'm like thinking even about. after he That's was it. super rich, he had lost all of his money by yes. someone stealing from him, someone close to him. Yes. So okay. I know he went that's through a rough was... patch, and he, that's part of why he disappeared for a while, and then he gotcha. came back around. Gotcha. But... Shit. Anyways, let's not ramble too much and get one started a bunch of times. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's um, right. Let's, let's get that. into a man who killed people and turned them into sandwiches, guys. Uh, I want to thank uh, John Gilbert for the suggestion. I'm sure we've had this one suggested before. It's we one have. of those cases that you see the memes of and stuff or you see the guy's picture and it's like this guy turned humans into sandwiches yeah um, it's a, he's an internet favorite as far as that picture if you you type in you know like gross serial killers or, or just serial killers in general this dude's probably gonna pop up with his fat ass with his arms spread out <laughs> you know with his fucking teeth showing or whatever dude his belly you know, has like a like a three foot butt crack going down the middle of it. It is insane. <sighs> Big hairy three foot butt crack on his stomach. Yep. This guy everyone, is, everyone knows what you're talking about too. It hangs out below the t shirt. It's fucking gross. Beyond beer belly, it's like another level. I don't know what you would call it. It's a pot belly, I guess. Like a pot belly pig. He's literally like a human pot belly pig. Dude, four hundred and fifty pounds. Four hundred fifty pounds. Four hundred fifty pounds. That's that's more than two humans. That's a lot of bad decisions. A lot of bad life decisions. A lot of bad dietary decisions. (laughs) A lot. This guy is a model of health. A model. Yeah, a model of bad health. Yeah, but a model of health nonetheless. We're not fat shaming. We love our bigger people out there. But this guy is a disgusting serial killer, drug addict, four hundred fifty pound pot belly mess of a human being. And we're going to dive into him right after Michael's intro. Let's do it. You know, old Joel Matheny had a lot of last words. It's a man that really liked to talk, really liked to lay it all out on the table. I thought it seemed fitting that I do some quotes in the intro. You know, so you get a real feel for how how evil and how terrible he is. But I'm going to do a little different. Instead of uh, trying to creep you guys out by this guy, I'm just going to do it in the dumbest voice I can think of. And that is the voice of Kip. So here's a big old long quote from, uh, damn it, what was his name? Fuck. Oh, it's Joe Matheny. 
Hey, y'all thought I forgot. Ha! It's Joe and Thini. Alright. Here it is. Well, I knew the cops were on the way, but I didn't run. I gathered up her clothing, grabbed the case of the gate, went out, and opened it. As soon as I stepped out of the gate, a cop car pulled up. And the cop jumped out, put his gun on me, told me to get on the ground. And that was where it just all came to an end. told them that I said I was going to kill her like the rest, which was true. They had me sitting in a little room down at Homicide, drilling me and damn near kissing my ass, trying to find out what I had done. They pulled me out of city jail every day for one month, taking me back and forth. <laughs> over the company digging up the remains of those two bitches there because I had the remains buried in seven different holes. The only thing I felt bad about in any of this was I didn't get to murder those two motherfuckers I was really after and that's my ex-old lady and the bastard she hooked up with. an open pit beef stand that you've never seen before. Make sure you think about this story before you take a bite of that sandwich. Sometimes you never know who you may be eating. <laughs> All right, our case this week: big old Haas, or tiny, as they as his friends called him, Joe Matheny. That oh, old right, right. that old gag, you know, guy's yeah. really huge, and you call him tiny. You know, I heard a lot of people pronounce his name Metheny, and I think it's funny because it says meth, but I think it's Matheny. Is right? it Matheny? We're gonna go with Metheny because the guy loved meth. Yeah, so, I mean, that's what everybody just, else was saying. That's what a lot of people were, how they were pronouncing it. Just, but it when just I goes to show it, God has a sense of humor, right? Yeah, <laughs> Metheny. Some things you just can't write, you know? Guy, guys, <laughs> Joe Metheny. So, listen, sometimes, meth. that's right. Sometimes the real world is just funnier than anything you could write. Yeah, sometimes light, uh, that way. truth is stranger than fiction. Old, old tiny meth, old Joe yep. meth. Yep. So uh, old Joe Metheny was born on March 2nd, 1955 in Baltimore, Maryland. Shares a birthday with John Bon Jovi, Rebel Wilson, and Daniel Craig. Wow. Who's your who would you say is your favorite of those three? I'm going to go 
between Rebel Wilson and Daniel Craig, I'm not a big John Bo- Bon Jovi Gosh. guy, but I, I'm not a big Bon Jovi fan either. Rebel I think Wilson he, makes me laugh. I'll go with her. It, it's just because it's because of our generation. You know, our, it's the generation before us that was the big Bon Jovi fans. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, I like some of the songs. You don't get me wrong. Like, Living on a prayer, but uh, yeah, he yeah, seems I annoying. I don't know. Rebel Wilson is hilarious in Pitch Perfect and in pretty much everything she's in. That's what I'm saying. Um, she's funny. But I also appreciate Daniel Craig a lot, too. I I, I think, yeah. Mm, I'd probably go with Rebel Wilson because she's a little more relatable. Yeah. Uh, I think her comedy is a little more relatable. I like And I like her careless attitude. I like people like that who yeah. are just like, whatever. Like, I know I got your, I got it going on and you're an idiot. You know? Right. <laughs> like, I don't know. I think yeah, that kind of comedy she's got a lot of confidence. Is, yes, yes. And it For makes someone who doesn't funny. have a traditional Hollywood look, you know? Exactly, and I appreciate that. Right. Thank you, thank you, Hollywood, for incorporating these people. Yeah. So Joe, old Joe Meth, and he was one of six children. When uh, he was six, he had kind of a rough, a rough upbringing, but I, it wasn't like in a traditional, like a lot of the serial killers we had. It wasn't. Doesn't seem like it was riddled with abuse necessarily. It was just kind of unfortunate because when he was right. six, uh, coming up in a, a group with five siblings, you know, large family. And then his father was killed in a car accident when he was six in West Virginia. And right. so that kind of threw his childhood like a wrench in it. And his mother, rather than being you know, there to tend to her six children and provide for them and give them nurture and all that stuff, uh, she was forced to then work multiple jobs. Um, after the death, Joe's mother was forced to work several jobs to keep food on the table for her six children. She worked as a waitress, a barmaid, and a food truck driver. So you imagine there was very little time that she was actually at home parenting her six children. So they kind of had to tend for right. themselves. And I wonder there, where uh, Joe fell in these six kids. You know, was he like one of the older ones? Was he one of the younger ones? Do you know? I couldn't find anything. I, I there's there's I was telling you before this that. It's kind of a tougher one to study for because it just seems like the information on ev- everywhere you look, the information is all the same. It's mm-hmm. like what the Wikipedia page has is what every article that you look into has. And I actually got to the point where I was mm-hmm. looking through uh, court documents to try and find more information, like from the proceedings from his trials and stuff. I was, just, I was literally right. looking through legal jargon to try and find some information that wasn't out there on all these articles. Um, but none funny? of I could never find where he, you know, where he lied in that. A group of children where you know whether he was the oldest youngest middle what okay well what's funny is like these these killers or these these suspects or whatever that talk they're always it always seems that way it's like almost like since they talked and said everything everybody mm-hmm. just goes with that but when you when you're studying someone who didn't talk and was very secret you can find all kinds of conflicting information right people dive you know, into it, into their past more and get different sources and Exactly, because you know they don't just take what was given to them and be like, "Well, this is from his mouth, so yeah, you know this must be true." I was just curious because you know if he's one of the older ones, a lot of times when when children are left alone and they're the older children, they actually turn out more responsible yes. and more productive in society because they almost take on a parent role at a young age. I, I bet Joe wasn't. He just, I bet he was he middle. Like I bet some, he was in the middle, and and yeah, you'd maybe think that even one of the younger ones. You'd think that it. it it, maybe they would have mentioned he was the oldest or the youngest of six children if in these articles or whatnot, if, if that was the case. So the fact that they just said one saying. of six children, he probably fell somewhere in the middle. I don't know. Yeah. But. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when he was six, as we mentioned, his father was killed, um, and his mother's working all these different jobs. Uh, he says that his childhood was traumatic and that he was shuffled around to different foster homes and uh, shuffled through the welfare system. His mother disputed these claims. She says that uh, he was never in the foster care system and that he may have 
spent some time at different uh, friends or family members' houses just because she was working so many different jobs mm -hmm. um, and that they were never using welfare because she had all these different jobs um, and that she did the best that she could. It does sound like she just got kind of screwed by her husband dying unexpectedly and right. you know that income was gone and she had to now provide for all these kids. Right. Um, Maybe that seemed a little more traumatic to a child, you know. Now all of a sudden they have to stay at other people's houses, you know. Yeah. Just just for their own safety. It doesn't necessarily mean it was a bad childhood. Yeah. No, I know? mean there's member that I've, I've had cousins that had to stay, you know, with me when I was when I was younger because of unfortunate situations with their parents and stuff. So it just sometimes that just happens. Right. Yeah. Um now and and one thing also is that he we catch him in some like potential lies because he also tried to say later that his mom was dead and she wasn't. Like they found her and interviewed her, and so like yeah. th as as much as we're supposed to take his word because he he gives uh, like this confession about everything that happened, why he did what he did, how he did it, all this stuff. Uh, right. You also have to take it with a grain of salt because he was a drug addict, killer, scumbag, and his his uh, version of events may be a little skewed. He, he yeah, lied a also, little bit, so. Yeah, and a lot of the like most of these killers, they're looking to place blame. Yeah, they're looking oh, they're looking to get the burden off of their shoulders. So they'll say whatever the hell they gotta say, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So his mother maintains that he had a pretty normal childhood, aside from the fact that you know they were left, the kids were left to their own devices a little bit because she was gone all the time working, trying to provide for them. And right. in uh, 1973, when Joe turned 18, he joined the army where he would be stationed in Germany initially. And, and this is where some more disparities come into play, where he's, he says one thing and his mother still says another. And also history would kind of lead you to believe that he's lying because he says that uh, after being stationed in Germany, he was then shipped off to Vietnam where he played a part in the war, where he was a part of an, an artillery unit. And that's where he supposedly got his heroin addi addiction was when he was in Vietnam fighting in fighting the war. So, but the right. timeline of when he would have been over there, if he joined in 1973, you have to factor in that he would have had to go through boot camp. He would have been stationed in Germany for a little while. Right. He wouldn't have made it over to Vietnam until the war was pretty much over because it ended in 75. So basically all direct involvement in Vietnam was, was ending or already over by the time he would have been there. So him fighting in this artillery unit seems to, to be a bit of a stretch. And yeah, his mother I, also I said that she has no memory of him serving in Vietnam. However, they weren't really talking during this time. So maybe it's possible him and his mom were both liars. <laughs> but, it, yeah, it is possible. Or maybe he was sent out there, but, you know, it was like you said. Sat around like, doing drugs rather than because there was nothing to do over there. Exactly. Because like you said, the U.S. involvement was very minimal in those yeah. two years. And the likelihood that he got in there right in, right at the beginning of 74 um, is and unlikely, then right? It's probably spent closer two to 75. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because, you know, most branches of the military, before they're going to send you into a war, you not only have to go through boot camp, but you're going to have to go through a combat training yeah. as well. Not and then to he had also time to be stationed training. in Germany first, too. So Yeah, exactly, exactly. You would have been and trained at a base in America, right? Like, gone through initial boot correct. camp and all that before you'd be sent yep. to Germany, then spend some time over there at, stationed, and then go to Vietnam. It's just yeah. the timeline. You would have been, he would have been getting to Vietnam by the time it was ending, pretty much. Yeah, they, they sent him over there to help him pack up. I mean. Yeah, and, and <laughs> get a drug addiction, apparently. Yeah, yes. Apparently. I mean, <laughs> according to him. That definitely happens in war sometimes. Oh, well, yeah. Apparently no all doubt, the man. Nazis were, were meth addicts because they were being given these meth pills. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense it. when you think about it. 
Yeah, it does. <clears throat> Upon Joe's return to the States, he met a woman who was also a heroin addict, and things uh, spiraled, out, spiraled out of control from there. They would uh, soon have a son together, and Joe spent most of his time during these, these years in the streets with other drug addicts and was known to have a temper. This is where he got the nickname Tiny, was from the street, street people he hung out with. <laughs> He would yeah. uh, end up being arrested several times for somewhat relatively minor offenses compared to what he later does, um, mm-hmm. you know, like assaults and drug possession and those type of things. Um, right. By the 1990s uh, was when he was known by Tiny living in the streets. At six foot one, he had a large frame and was very overweight, as we've mentioned a few times. By the time he was in prison and later interviewed, he weighed 450 pounds. So I don't Jesus. know what he was weighing on the streets at this time, but many years later in prison, he was up to 450, so... That's a big yeah. man. Yeah. I would say he's somewhere hovering around 400 still. In the streets? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean subtract he was, he was 100 doing pounds, you're still 350. Yeah, I think he... he was he... Because it's early on he was doing heroin, right? But I think he probably right. switched over to meth because it was cheaper and it got popular during that time. Right. Well, I'm yeah. going to say he was big and Tiny was a ironic nickname. Yeah, right. No um, so... For you to get that nickname, you know, with a in a tongue in cheek style or whatever, you would have still have to be somewhat big, I would think. Yeah. So that's why that's what makes me think he was probably still hovering around four hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. But maybe so wrong. Do, so he was hanging around during this time in bars, lived in lived with bands of homeless men in squalid makeshift camps in South Baltimore, and spent most of his money on heroin, crack, cocaine, and Southern Comfort. Quite a cocktail there. Uh, yeah. Bethany was able to hold a job, however, as a forklift driver during this time and was described as intelligent, well-spoken, and well-mannered by his, by his, uh, his work, his, by the company he worked for. Well. So quite a forklift driver, but when you're, when you're on uh, crack and stuff, I'm sure you can move some stuff around with a forklift. Oh pretty, yeah. No, pretty no, efficiently. No you probably fucking well, get that whole warehouse sorted out in like 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> he's just here <laughs> screeching around for moving. Yeah, he's just fucking drifting in a forklift. <laughs> they were probably providing him with drugs because the shit was getting done so well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no doubt, dude. But I mean, also he knew that this was his ticket to more heroin, crack, cocaine, yeah, and no southern doubt. comfort. He knew if he lost this job, you know, because he didn't give a shit where he lived. Obviously, yeah. I mean, he spent most of his time with the homeless anyway. So you got to think. Imagine taking your whole paycheck. And going and buying crack, right. <laughs> like this dude, he was probably he was living the life. You know what I mean? So he wanted to keep this job. There so are sure. some there are some people who are able to function for many many years with a uh-huh. serious drug drug addiction. I don't know if I've ever mentioned, oh, but no doubt. But uh, our neighbor across the street, growing up, uh, he lived. Our neighbor lived across the street from us for the 20, 20 something years before I uh, my parents finally moved and I moved. But uh, he did transmissions out of his garage for people. Like he was really good at, at uh, working on trannies. And mm-hmm. he had uh, an eight ball a day addiction pretty much. Wow. Of, of meth. And mm-hmm. so like, I mean, I get, I, I, when he could get it, and he would disappear for a few days, but he was a great neighbor and everyone kind of knew that he had that, that problem, but he kept it like never really spiraled out of control to he was able to maintain the addiction with the money he was bringing in fixing transmissions you can make killer money right. especially when you have no overhead when you're doing it out of your garage so there was Absolutely. always like 10 cars parked out front of the house or whatever and also um, imagine the imagine the hours you could put in oh dude you have the energy of meth yeah. i mean you could you could work all through the night 
on some Actually, he was a perfect neighbor in a sense that he was he always had his garage open all night and was always working on stuff. So he was like the eyes in the neighborhood, believe it or not. A meth addict was the guy that we trusted to keep an eye on everything because he was actually a trustworthy guy. He never stole from anyone that we knew. Right. As far as we knew, he didn't need to because like we said, he was making so much money fixing mm-hmm. transmissions for people. So, I mean, there are yeah. those people, that they're, they're rare, but they can have a serious addiction with a, a really bad drug like meth and still kind of maintain a, somewhat of a normal life aside from right. the, the, what they do at night with the drugs but interesting story yeah so um by 1994 he had gotten a new job and was working as a trucker his son was now six years old and it was around this time that we believe joe murdered his first victim kathy ann magaziner a 39 year old woman who had uh, who had uh, been convicted for prostitution he ended up burying her body in a shallow grave on the side of the factory where he worked so he's working at this pallet company Mm -hmm. um which we'll talk a lot more about later because it's it's like a serial killer's dream as far as being handed the keys to this property, which the location, the just everything about this this pallet company was perfect to lure people to because it was secluded, right? Um, and 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 I'm sure it, it was like a big warehouse, and most warehouses are kind of out of the way. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, we'll talk more you about it mean? because I actually Google Street viewed this place and it has not changed an iota. Oh, right now, nice. if you go look at the street view, it is still the same pallet company on a secluded, like, dead-end road. It's it's creepy. That's, still, the, like, the eight-foot-high fence with barbed wire with pallets mm-hmm. stacked in front. It is the same place it was back in the early 90s. It's so creepy. Wow. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense, dude. That's a, I, I was just thinking, when you were talking about he used the, the advantage of where he worked, uh, I was like, yeah, because most warehouses, they are. They're kind of out of the way. They're pushed back because they're not... You know, they're not exactly the prettiest buildings. They're they're right. made to be functional. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they just need space to store shit. Yep. So and it was across yeah. the street from like a wooded area. Just it's yep. like I said, serial killer's dream. So he had met Catherine one night in July of nineteen ninety four and took her to his trailer. So he had a trailer located at the Joe Stein and Sun Pallet Company. This this location we talked about, the secluded business district, across from woods eight foot high fence with barbed wire and everything else. We'll describe it more in a little bit because this is, this is his, his location where he does all these crimes. Um, and he was given a trailer by the, the people that owned the, by Joe Stein and son pallet company. They gave him his own trailer to stay there and keep an eye on the, like he kind of like made a deal with them where he could keep an eye on the place at night. Right. And he obviously was homeless prior. So he got to live there and that was where he worked. And it just kind of seemed to work out for everybody. He was like security in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, while in his trailer at the pallet company, he had sex with her while she was par- partially clothed. Catherine had been in his trailer approximately one hour when he strangled her with an electrical cord and robbed her of her purse and clothing. He then buried Catherine in a shallow grave and buried her purse and clothing in a separate location. Um, the body would end up remaining there for more than two years before you know, his crimes were discovered. He later said that he had also dug up her skeleton six months later and put her head in a box and threw it in the trash. So trying to get rid of her identity, I suppose, with dental records by getting rid of right. the head. Didn't he also violate the head as well? I I, I didn't see anything about that, but I wouldn't put it past him knowing yeah, how I sick found, this guy is. I found that in more than a, more than a couple of different outlets that he had... Uh, basically had sex with the head and then ended up breaking God the skull. Damn. 
So the only is, way they were able to identify her was through the dental records. That is next uh, level on. gross. Because it yes. was already decomposed at that point, like six yes. months. Like, oh, what the? F- I mean, it's already fuck. It's already super gross. So don't be wrong. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I mean, we've 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 had those cases before. You know, good old yeah. Big Ed, Big Ed Kemper did that with his yeah, mother. You guys wanted um, the details, so here they are. Yeah, I want to say Ted Bundy did that too, right? Something uh, I think along those lines. Yeah. So Something yeah, very similar. But usually not six months later. But <laughs> right. Yeah. This this level oh. this 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 case is next level gross in many ways. Very many. You're welcome, <clears throat> listeners. <laughs> also, Joe's thanks, girl, uh, Joe Gilbert, or what was his name? Yeah, John Who Gilbert. Suggested this? John Gilbert. Thank you, John. Yeah. Blame John Gilbert, everybody. <laughs> uh, so after the the murder of what we believe to be his first victim, Joe's girlfriend either became aware of the murder for other for other reasons. Um, she may have become fearful of him, um, but for whatever reason, she takes off following his first victim not long after it. Um, and on one evening in 1994, Joe returned home from a long haul because he also was working as a trucker, as we mentioned, to find her and his child missing. Um, he's, this is, and we have some quotes from him because he did a confession later on in prison. And so we're going to sprinkle in some of these confessions, and some of them are from the mind of a sick drug addict, serial killer. So keep that in mind. These are not our words. He is uh, he has a way with with words and he's quite vulgar so just keep that in mind um, he right. says I got off and went home as I always did but when I opened the door and turned on the light I noticed there was nothing there my old lady had taken everything including my son and left me her leaving was not my problem she took my six-year-old son with her she was a crack addict and worthless piece of shit I would have paid her just to get out of my life all uh, all she had to do was take my son over to my mother's house and we could have had everything else and be gone so I mean that that didn't that's not exactly what I'm talking about. That sounded actually pretty practical, but there's yeah. some quotes later on where you <laughs> hear example. a little bit of yeah, you, yeah. There's there's more quotes coming. Don't get me wrong, um, right. but yeah, he comes home and his and his girlfriend and his his son are gone, and it wasn't the fact that she was gone that he had a problem with. It was that she took his son, as as we just heard. So this right. kind of set off a series of more murders um, quickly. Um, he would come to find out six months later that she had left him to live with a man that Joe knew across town. The man was essentially a pimp, and the mother of Joe's child was working as a sex worker, and eventually she was arrested along with the man that she ran away to, and the, the kid was put into um, the child care system, and Joe knew better than to try and get his son back because of his record. Here's another quote from him. I had no chance of going to social services and trying to get my son back due to my past criminal records, so I took it upon myself with the hatred that I had for these two who lost my son to go looking for them. I had found out from someone uh, that they was going to under the bridge and getting high with some homeless motherfuckers who lived under that bridge. And so he was going to go down there and look for them with the intent to kill. Um, He was completely enraged at his ex and her boyfriend. He decided to go looking for them. He says, quote, I went under there looking for them. They were not there, but the two homeless motherfuckers they got high with were down there. They were passed out on some old stinking mattresses, and that's where they were when I left them, except they were dead from being chopped up. Jesus. Yeah. So, so just from out his rage. Yeah, just took it um, out on two, in, two, I mean, 
in, relatively innocent people. I mean, especially well, to him, had nothing. It's to do ironic with him. because I, I feel like he thinks he's doing, he's cleaning up the streets in a sense from these these drug addicts that got his son taken away. But he's one of them. He's hung out under that say, bridge. Any, he's done drugs with them. That's why he knows about them. He probably he still was. Any other day, you know, you know, he didn't just sit in his fucking trailer doing drugs by himself. Right. He was still like hitting up those same places. He sat on a, like a golden throne in his own mind because he was the one that, that had a job. You know what I mean? I see what you're saying. Yeah. And maybe yeah. he was providing them. He was probably helping them get drugs, providing because he was the only one that had an income. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, he's still hanging out under a bridge doing drugs. With you know, he still would have been homeless if his job didn't provide him with a trailer on their lot. You know. Yeah. Exactly. He, He'd be right there on the mattresses. Yeah. Um, so Joe had allegedly, as he said, killed uh, those two homeless men and cut them into pieces with an axe and left them laying there on the mattress where they were sleeping. And that would come mm. come back on him quickly. He would be uh, on trial for the murdering those two men. But this night that he had done this was far from over. The night he went under that bridge looking for his his ex and her boyfriend and had killed those two sleeping homeless men, this night was still going to go on. Um, according to his later confession, he said that he then lured a woman down under the same bridge. She too was a drug addict. Joe got her high and questioned her about his ex-girlfriend's whereabouts. She didn't have any answers for him, so he allegedly beat, raped, and killed her as well. He claims to have put her body in some bushes before luring another woman. It's quite a night now. He's gone down there, killed two homeless men sleeping, lured a woman down, killed her. And just Dude. couldn't fucking stop, right? Yeah, I mean, he's killed. Let, he supposedly killed one person before this, but now he's just like, like bloodlust. Like Peter, what was it? Peter Curtin or whatever, where he was just like had to kill. Just yes, um, yes. That's that's what it reminded me of. Yeah. Um, so he then claims that he brought another, lured another woman down under there, um, and did the same thing that he did to the prior one. Questioned her, gave her drugs raped and killed her. And here's another quote from him. Um, but I was about to throw her in the bushes with the other one. And I noticed an old man down by the river fishing and looking back up at me. I grabbed a steel pipe that was lying behind, lying by and ran down on him and laid his head wide open. So I put the two girls with him in the river and weighed them down with rocks. That was a very busy night for me. Five murders within about seven hours. I washed up in that river and cleaned up the crime scene as much as I could. Then I left. So just went on an absolute killing spree um, over being so angry about his ex and not being able to find her down there. Imagine that was really being that dude just down there fishing and just being like, oh, oh my gosh, shit. Yeah, he even said that dude was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, even was. even Joe, because he kind of put him in a different category. You know, he was killing drug addicts in his mind to kind of clean up this situation or whatever. He thought he was better than them. But this guy yeah. fishing just happened to be there and witness him dragging this woman's body in there. So mm-hmm. that guy was just in the wrong place at the wrong time, supposedly. Yes. Um, now, it wouldn't be long after that that he'd be caught for... Because he, he really didn't clean up, the, clean up the crime scene all that well. He left the two men that he had supposedly chopped up with the axe pretty yeah, much where that they was were. Yeah, because that was a crime of passion right there. He was in a rage. Yeah. You could tell at that time he didn't give a fuck. He just yeah. wanted to kill somebody because he felt like he'd been wronged. Right. And he was probably high on meth himself. Yeah. So, look. Amazingly, as we've seen so many times in this show with serial killers, there's a moment where it should be over and done, and locked. They they should be locked up forever. But Mm -hmm. for whatever twist of fate or just terrible 
uh, job by the, uh, the criminal justice system. They get back out on the streets and they kill more. That's this moment right here. Um, yep. He says two because and a half weeks. victim selection. I get, yeah, no doubt. And also just yep. the chaos that was this this part of South Baltimore, or I guess West Baltimore, or South Baltimore, whatever it was. Uh, the, the chaos that was this area with a lot of homeless drug addicts and stuff, there was a lot mm-hmm. of crime going on under this bridge in general, and that kind of saves him. Okay. Um, so he says, two and a half weeks, weeks later, I was arrested and charged with the murders of the two men that I chopped up. I spent close to 18 months in Baltimore jail awaiting trial. The trial lasted one week, and it was thrown out of court because of lack of evidence. Now, that's what you find in most articles, and I had to dive deeper because I'm like, what, how does that get thrown out? of lack of evidence. Like how does he get it? How is there enough to arrest him and bring him to trial? And then there's a lack of evidence at trial. And right. it was just a fluky, crazy thing that happened with that underneath that bridge. There was so much chaos and, and crime going on. So we'll break down how the hell he got off. Um, so yeah, he had been put on trial in 1995 for the killing of these two 33 year old homeless men. Their names were Randy Piker and Randall Brewer. Those were the two that were on the mattress that he chopped up with the ax Piker and Brewer. Randy and Randy. Yeah, Randy and Randy, and they were both 33. Crazy. That is Um, crazy. However, there were disputes that involved rival groups of homeless men. So there was like kind of homeless gang wars going on down there, essentially. Um, Coincidentally, after being used to kill Brewer and Piker, the same axe that Joe had used was stolen and used by Larry Amos, another homeless man, to kill a different homeless man, Everett Everett Dowell. Oh, my God. So he probably just left the axe there? He left Maybe. the axe there. That axe was then picked up by a homeless man who killed another homeless Holy man with shit. that axe that was just used to kill two other homeless men. This oh fucking axe Dude, I didn't has know seen this. some shit. Yes, yeah. <laughs> this is how he gets <laughs> off. Could talk, am I right? Right. Holy this, shit. This is how he gets off because that, that same axe was used right afterwards to kill a different man. Um, and Joe's alleged murder victims, Piker and Brewer's bodies, were discovered on August 2nd, which was the same day that Dowell was killed. So oh. this shit happened right after... With the same axe, um, Larry Amos was then arrested and accused of first-degree murder. He ended up pleading guilty to lesser manslaughter charge and was released one year after serving nine months uh, of his eight-year sentence. So he kills a man with an axe and gets off in uh, nine months. Um, and this it's all threw- about the selection, dude. Like I said, they don't give a shit about these homeless people. No, no. They think- They're like, kill each other. We don't care. You know, they exactly. clean up the streets. Cleaning up the streets. God, um, but the the way that this got off Joe was a member of the jury was unconvinced that Metheny was the one who killed Brewer and Piker because the fact that that axe was then used to kill a different man and that man was was then convicted of manslaughter for doing that. It's there was just enough possible possibility that that guy was the one that killed the other two that supposedly Joe killed. So this concluded in July of 1996 that there wasn't enough evidence to convict him. Um, Joe later said that he was guilty of those murders along with the others that he had committed. Um, then the, he's back on the streets. Um, just a crazy coincidence and series of events that led to him being back on the streets and led to more victims piling up. Um, he says, quote, I was free again. I went back and talked to my old boss into giving me a job, my job back at the pallet company. Um, he also got the trailer back to, on the property that uh, his boss let stay there to keep an eye on the place. Um, he, the boss even gave him the keys to the front gate and main building. The company was on this dead end road that we talked about. It was very isolated. It was perfect for what he wanted to do. And as I mentioned, I looked into the Google street view of this pallet company. It's still there. You guys can look it up on your own accord. I'm not going to give it out. I don't want any liability from this pallet company that still exists. I don't know if it's right. the same guys that own it or whatever. Cause I know one of them actually got in trouble. Is it called uh, the same? 
I, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. I know it's a pallet company. It still okay. is a pallet okay. company. It's still at the same address. It still has pallets stacked up like 10 feet high or more. It still has the eight-foot fence with the barbed wire around it on a dead-end street across from a wooded area, just like it was back in the 90s. Right. Um, this company has a locked entrance gate and is surrounded in part by eight-foot chain-link fence with barbed wire. There's approximately the size of one square city block. There's a warehouse office building that is surrounded by literally thousands of wooden pallets, which are stacked up in varying heights throughout the lot. There's mm -hmm. no business conducted at this company or surrounding companies during the evening hours. Um, it's a dead-end street where there was little to, little to no pedestrian traffic. The closest main thoroughfare is Washington Boulevard. Joe lived in a one-small-bedroom trailer located on the south fence nearest the residential development to the pallet company. Um, so this is just a dream for someone who's wanting to lure people and kill them. It's, it's literally like a little, your own little prison, essentially. Once you right. get them in there and you close those gates, there's an eight-foot fence with barbed wire, and yep. you know, you're a huge man. And you lure these these female sex workers back there to to strangle them, and it's they're where are they going to go? They're locked in right. there. And he probably knows every inch of that property. Yes, you know what I mean. I mean, where are you going to hide? He's he's mm -hmm. got forklifts that he can move shit around. I mean, yeah. yeah, the dude's a dangerous dangerous human in there. And as we know about repeat offenders, repeat uh, sex offenders, repeat uh, murderers, serial killers, they they just can't stop. You know, like you. They, a lot of times they do get a break, and rather than learning their lesson and, and stopping, they they literally can't wait to get a He'd just gotten away with several murders, basically been right. taken to trial and gotten off almost on a technicality. It was just by getting lucky and a crazy coincidence, and yet he can't wait shit. to kill again. Like It's almost yeah. like he spent the time, that 18 months in prison, thinking about how he was going to how he was going to go about it better this time. No doubt. It's like it almost gave him more confidence. He's like, yeah. damn, I didn't even try and I got away with all that. <laughs> that was just that was just a passionate axe slinging and I got away with that. I'm going to mm -hmm. actually, if I put a little planning into this, right. I could do this for the rest of my life. And especially if you're going to kill sex workers because as we've found out time and time again on this, the police just don't really look hard for them. It's a sad they fact. Um, so Joe would end up luring Kimberly Lynn Spicer back to his trailer in mid-November 1996, not long after he got out of prison, where he, was, where he then killed her and, uh, by stabbing her. Um, around this time, Joe most, of, most likely also killed 28-year-old Tony Lynn Ingracia, as well as several other homeless women. Um, he, I mean, these are ones that he says he killed three other women during this time, but they were mm -hmm. never found, and also they were... As we mentioned, people living in the street that they weren't weren't necessarily reported missing or searched for by the police. So, right. Um, this is where the story of Joe Meth Methany became bizarre and infamous, even by serial killer standards, was was considered very bizarre um, because this is where the sandwiches come in. So, hope you guys already oh, ate, or go. you're not about to go eat a sandwich. He says, That's "Quote, right. I." He says, "Quote." I killed and butchered their bodies up. I cut the meat up and put them in some Tupperware bowls. Then I put it in a freezer. I buried the remains in shallow, shallow graves in a little woods patch behind the company. Over the next couple week, weeks on the weekends, I opened up a little open pit beef stand. I had real roast beef and pork sandwiches. And why not? They were very good. The human meat taste was very similar to pork. If you mix together right, no one can tell the difference. Oh, Jesus. Good Lord. Yeah. So mm. people... We're pulling over to this roadside roadside meat stand sandwich yep. stop thing. That this I'm sure this stand is credible. It just popped up out of nowhere. <laughs> with this fucking yeah. What's the grade? What's the, what's, what's the health grade from the county? <laughs> Bro, they, they 
It's a stand. I picture it being like a got like a degrade for delicious thing, right? Do what? I picture it being like a hot dog cart type of deal. Yeah. Right. No doubt. No doubt. Like yeah. like literally like a fucking gas grill on the side of the road with a little cardboard sign. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I picture. <laughs> It's like one of those wooden lemonade stand things, and you just stand it behind it with a grill. You know what, though, man? You're really rolling the dice when you f- pull over for one of those things in that you could hit the jackpot, and a lot of times that's the best food you'll ever have is like the hole-in-the-wall, small little places, or like even just like a road stop beef jerky yeah. thing where it's like, holy shit, that's the best beef jerky I've ever had, but it also could be human meat. So right. it's really, you're just really, if you like to gamble. Right. But if it's the best beef jerky you've ever had, right? I mean, it doesn't. Does it matter? <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. Like That's we totally, said, ignorance is bliss. It, I guess. Totally a joke. Jesus Christ. So yeah. who who knows how many people pulled over in Baltimore mm-hmm. back in I guess around nineteen ninety six and had a if you if you remember Dude. back then, if you were in the area and you had a roadside sandwich, you might be one of them. Well, imagine the people who saw this on the news, man, when he got arrested. Oh my and god. Then, it was talked about how he had this stand and he was selling this meat and he had right. confessed to this. Imagine being like, Oh my God, I was totally on that corner that day. I stopped there for lunch. What if you, what like, if you were like, man, what, what if ever since the day that you'd had that sandwich, you were looking for that meat stand again, because you were like, I've never tasted anything like that. And it was so good. <laughs> okay. <but> who, yeah. <laughs> what if you were like, also, man, I've never had a burger that or a sandwich that tasted like that, but I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> then you're you sitting just at home this, just, you're sitting home, like analyzing yourself. You're like, right. what, if, what is wrong with me? Right. What if <laughs> no, you spawned okay. other killers that because they just could, they had gotten a taste for it and they couldn't stop? Right, dude. You know he had at least one regular, right? Come on. Right. If he was there for any length of time, he had he had at least one regular. You know, like Ted. Joe, I don't Bob's know what burgers. you're doing. You got to give me your recipe. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't stop eating these sandwiches you're making. <laughs> Seek recipe will die with me, brother. <laughs> right. Oh shit. If I told you I'd have to kill you. Yeah, exactly. And then serve and then it. Then use it for my next Oh, nothing. Sandwich. Uh <laughs> Jesus. We might be making too many jokes out of this. Yeah, too many. This this is gross, man. You need to you need to straighten up your act. Yeah. And so uh Joe by now had definitely killed at least a couple people, but more likely closer to 10 if you believe his later testimony. He had been on trial for murder and gotten off, gotten extremely lucky to get off on a fluke, and now was killing more people and selling their their uh, their meat in sandwiches roadside, as we mentioned. Thankfully, his next victim though was at one tough cookie and brought this monster to an end before anyone else had the chance to pull over for a quick bite. Quote, Thank God. This is another quote from him. This is the this is where it all unravels. Thankfully, we had one uh, one woman who was just her fighting for her life saved everything. Yeah, man. It seems that in a lot of these cases, a lot of these serial killer cases, there's that one person who refuses to be the victim and fights back and just, you know, ends up getting these motherfuckers caught. And then because it seems that it's always once they get into that rhythm, you know what I mean? Yeah. They get into that rhythm and then somebody just breaks that mold. Like I said, they just refuse to refuse to give in. But you know what? I doubt that this woman was was high. You know, a lot of the women, when you look back, he got them high or or highly right. intoxicated, you know, and then took advantage of them in different ways. And they probably, mm-hmm. and I bet you, a lot of his past victims maybe even trusted him a little bit because of the time he spent in the homeless community. Right. You know what I'm saying? These could have been people that 
I mean, because like you said, he knew the two people that got high with his wife and then that guy that she ran off with. So this may have been... Very true. Very you know true. What I'm he might have gained their trust first and then yes. got him high and then caught him off guard, almost like John Wayne Gacy style with yes. coming up behind him and strangling him when they're caught off guard or something. Exactly. And sometimes he would use like a power cord or something like that. So yep. Um, here's a quote from him on this situation. He says, everything was going pretty good until I ran out of my special meat. Good God. So I lured another bitch up to my trailer. I got her in there, and I started to rip her clothes off and started knocking the hell out of her. She was screaming, but there was no one around to hear except me, and I just kept on laughing at her. God, this guy's a monster. He's a fucking monster. He says, quote, I turned around for a split second, and that was my mistake. She ran out of the door before I could get her. There was an eight-foot chain-link fence with barbed wire on top, as we've mentioned, um, of it around the front of the company. There was a stack of wooden pallets next to the fence about 10 feet high. That bitch scaled those pallets like a monkey, jumped the fence, and ran down the main road where some guy in a pickup truck picked her up and took her to a nearby gas station where they called the cops. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Hell yeah, Rita Kemper. That was her name, <laughs> the woman that saved the day. Nice. Rita Kemper. She's like an OG parkour expert, bro. Scaled those right. pallets. Did he like didn't think about the pallets flip. probably because his ass is so fat. There's no way he was climbing pallets without those things just disintegrating under him. Oh, God, you know. <laughs> Dude, if, if, you, if you overdo the weight capacity of a pallet, you fuck it. You, you're big. You're big, bro. Yeah. They, they, they crumble like a house of cards. <laughs> so she was, oh, she was gone, man. She used the, the pallets to her advantage. Hell yeah. Got the hell out of there. Um, the woman that escaped and ended Joe's heinous killing spree was Rita Kemper. It was December 8th. Well, she did in, in a way, but also he gets out of jail on bail quickly from this, believe it or not. He still was going to go to trial for it, but he was uh, just about able to kill again if, if, if it weren't for a friend ratting him out. But So she escapes. She goes to the cops. The cops show up that night. They arrest him. Um, and uh, he gets out quickly on on bail. I guess somehow he gets out of jail from this this assault, you know. And she yeah. says she even tells the police that during the assault he told her, "quote I'm going to kill you and bury you in the woods with the other girls." So oh they have God. some evidence that he might be a killer as well. Mm. Um, yeah. Some. So yeah, he's a, <laughs> he's a, yeah he's arrested for the assault and um, somehow doesn't spend any time really in jail for it because free again. He makes the ultimate mistake by asking a then friend to help him bury the body of Kimberly Lynn Spicer, which had been hiding on the factory site since killing her a month before. So I'm guessing when he gets out, he's got to make quick work of getting rid of um, the, the body that was on the property because he's probably thinking the police, after after um, this assault and Rita's you know, telling them what he had said, that they're going to come looking around the property for bodies since she said that there was other girls buried and stuff. Yeah, they should have done that while he was in prison for that, right. for that short amount of time. That would have been ideal. Mm-hmm. You know, what What better terms for a search warrant than he tried to kill a girl and told her that he killed other girls? <laughs> like Precisely. I mean, that property should have been searched long before that. Yeah. So the friend uh, that he had asked to do this for ended up reporting it to the police on December 15th, 1996, this time, Metheny would be arrested again and charged for murder This the same day. This time, thankfully, he would never see freedom again. Um, the owner of the business as well, the pallet company, was arrested with Metheny as they took as they left a Christmas party and charged with accessory after the fact for allegedly disposing of evidence. So it may have been so, somewhat of in cahoots with the, the pallet company. So yeah. I would say that the pallet company is under new ownership, Lauren, as you yeah. questioned earlier. 
Yeah. One would hope. One yeah, would hope that that wasn't just uh, forgotten about. And, and you know, you guy got, got good good prices on pallets. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> hey, dude, isn't it weird how like pallets pallets aren't going anywhere? Pallets are a right? great oh, idea. No. Like so basic, but uh, I mean, everybody There's so many uses for them. Right. Everybody needs pallets, and people even want pallets after they're not being used anymore. So, oh yeah, you can you use them for a pallet wall in your house, a cool decoration, or yeah, build a little table with them or whatever that's got to be a super profitable uh super profitable company because you don't have much in that you're using the cheap lumber too to build them that's how you stick around from the early 90s until 2020 still this place is still rocking still killing it i don't know like you said i got to be under new management but it's still there (laughs) still a pallet company now yeah um so Joe Metheny began confessing for, to other murders as well as that of Kimberly Spicer. He led police to the shallow grave where he had buried uh, um, Catherine Magaziner, the one, the first victim that we had talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, he he had uh, reburied her decapitated remains as we talked about. Much of the skull was missing, but the police were able to identify her from her dental records. So that's I what guess I was, he had left. Maybe he maybe he left her lower jaw or something. That's what I was saying earlier. The skull was pretty much destroyed from yeah. Okay. Um, Although Joe was indicted for killing Tony Lynn and Gracia, those charges were later dropped due to lack of evidence. He claimed to have also killed three other sex workers along Washington Boulevard in Baltimore, although there was no evidence of those crimes other than his confession. Um, He said that he had thrown the bodies into the Patapsco River where they were never found. Um, The Baltimore Sun reported in 1997 that it was not clear how truthful his claims were about how many people he had killed, although he said he had killed up to 10 people. His attorney said that he was remorseful and that drugs and alcohol had changed his personality and made him violent. However, if you listen to his <laughs> Not own what words, he says. exactly, he's there's zero remorse, which we'll 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 get into some quotes here in a second about that. Attorney's like, trying throw to, me a fucking bone here, Matheny. Right? <laughs> My Help client out, is remorseful. Bro. He's in the background, like, no, I'm not. I would kill him all again. <laughs> <laughs> Best burgers I ever served. Fuck right? Them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> literally had to like duct tape his mouth in court oh my god he was tried in 1997 in the Kemper case that was the one the woman that he assaulted that jumped the, the fence and got away yeah he was given a f- sentence of 50 years for kidnapping and attempted a sexual assault on her he was acquitted uh, of attempted to of attempting to murder her somehow when it was so clear that he was trying to kill her um, he was then sentenced to death in 1998 for the murder of Kimberly Spicer at his sentencing hearing, he said that he committed the murders because he, quote, enjoyed it, and he got a rush out of it, got a high out of it. He had no real excuse other than that I like to do it. So mm-hmm. that, that kind of uh, counteracts what his, his, uh, his old attorney there was saying. It doesn't yeah. quite match up. Not quite. Um, in August of 1998, he pleaded guilty to murdering and robbing Kathy Magaziner. Prosecutors sought the death penalty in that case as well. However, he would receive a, li- a sentence of life instead of uh, death for that one. And then his death sentence for the murder of Kimberly Spicer was overturned in 2000 against his own wishes, and the sentence was re- reduced to life uh, without parole. The rationale for the death penalty was that the murder had been committed in committing a robbery, but the evidence indicated that the robbery was not his motivation. And yeah. also what he said. He said he'd killed because he liked to kill. It didn't seem like he was doing it for money necessarily because How he had did- a job and... But the fact that he robbed her after the killing still uh, somehow got him off. Like, if he wouldn't have stole anything, he would have got the death penalty hands down. But the fact that he stole something afterwards 
and he killed uh, in necessity of a robbery, so to speak, that he gets life. That's like that's like a little, that's a fucked up little part of our justice system right there. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like that doesn't. It, it, I read this as though that he got death. He got the death penalty initially because he had done it during a robber. He had killed her because he was robbing her. That's why they gave him the death penalty. And then they decided he wasn't killing her because he wanted to rob her. He was killing her because he was sick and he liked to kill and and therefore he shouldn't get the death penalty. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like I, I read it opposite as you. Oh. The, uh, the court, this is in the crime line, it says the court found insufficient evidence that Metheny had robbed the woman, an aggravating circumstance that allowed prosecutors to seek the death penalty. So they didn't want a guy, they, they would rather kill a guy who was out robbing and killing people, killing them as a side effect of robbing them. That's the kind of guy you kill as opposed to a guy who murders people because he truly enjoys it. That's, that's let's let's not kill that guy. <laughs> yeah, that, okay. You'd think that I would be the guy that's like uh, this guy really just needs to not be on this planet anymore. Okay, if that's like his favorite thing is just killing people. Right. See, I understood it that if the thing if the actions were reversed, so let's say he robbed her and then he mm-hmm. killed her, then it's like death penalty, no question, because you right. didn't have to kill her to rob her. Yes, but okay, I can see that. You see what I'm saying? But when you kill yeah. someone and then you rob them, they're thinking, okay, well, you killed out of necessity. You must have needed this money or this whatever, and then you just went the extra mile to hide your crime. Yeah. You're not an absolute monster, even though in court he's saying, all he's I'm saying a fucking monster, a monster, pretty much. And not only that, all of his actions as well. I mean, he killed other people as yes. well. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Joe would end up using graphic language and begging the jury for the death penalty. He wanted the death penalty, and he says at one point, quote, the words, I'm sorry, will never come out, for they would be a lie. I am more than willing to give up my life for what I have done to God, to have God judge me and send me to hell for eternity. The only thing I feel bad about in any of this is that I didn't get to murder the two motherfuckers I was really after, and that's my ex-old lady and the bastard she got hooked up with. Damn. So he gets off the death penalty even though he's begging for it. Um, and he's really only sad that he didn't get to kill his you know, ex and her. If he's so sad, pimp. if he's so sad that he didn't get to kill them, why didn't he just hunt them? Why did he just take every fucking everybody that happened Too to much work, wander man. into yeah, his That's web. a lot of burning exactly. calories. Exactly, exactly. He's a fucking <laughs> fat, lazy ass. That's bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. He would. He just wanted to kill uh, people. Right. He's full of shit. He just wants to blame it on them. You know what I mean? Like they're what set yeah. him off, and then he had nothing left. Freaking. Yeah. Lazy ass. <laughs> yeah. Joe was uh, Joe Metheny would end up being found dead in his prison cell at the Western Correctional Institution in Cumberland, Maryland, on August fifth, twenty seventeen. He was sixty two years old. So that's that's a that's a good run, sixty two, I guess, for a guy who's that unhealthy. You know, a drug addict for many years was four hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah, sixty two uh, is you know is it had more to than I thought he would make. make his it, you know. his poor heart finally gave out, dude. Jeez. Couldn't take it anymore. Gosh, so, wow. Yeah, well, that's Joe Metheny. Joe Metheny, man. Oh, well, I'm glad that's out of the way. Now people will stop suggesting that. Now we can just send them links when they suggest <laughs> it. She's like, look, we already did it. Go check this, bur- <laughs> this fucking hamburger. Thank, thanks, though. Thanks, John Gilbert, for Thank the suggestion you, yes. and the five star review as well. We hope you enjoyed our take on Joe Metheny. There was a lot of fun jokes in this one. Yeah. You know, not as much speculation or any of that. It's a, a drug addict, scumbag. Mm-hmm. That uh, got off on killing um, kind of defenseless people. So yeah, but, pretty much. Yeah, pretty crazy. 
I'll tell you what, Joe. Talk about some Oh My Gaia. That's what I was about to say. Special Oh My Gaia this week because we got some Oh My Gaia to give away. Oh, hell yeah. We got three jars of pear to give away. Pear, the new scent. I'm not sure when she's going to be stocking it on shelves and available for purchase, but three lucky listeners are going to get some. Like we, uh, my wife is already using it and is obsessed with it. It smells, I just want to eat her armpits. It smells so good. Just want to bite into that pear. juicy pear armpit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. My wife's wearing it as well. They and my and uh, my daughter has worn it a couple times. They love they love it, dude. It's a great it scent. It is amazing. It is a great it scent. It's great for summer too. It just smells so summery, yes. so fresh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Good scent. All right. So yeah, tell us about oh my guy, Michael. Tell us all about oh my guy while uh, we think about who we're going to give away a jar to. I think we'll do one per week for the next three weeks, a jar of pear. And so go ahead and tell us about Oh My Gaia. Cool. All right. If you guys don't know about Oh My Gaia, it's an innovative, all-natural deodorant, fragrance, and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum-free products. Their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness. At Oh My Gaia, they use only all-natural, paraben, and aluminum-free organic ingredients. And there's a ton of scents to choose from, guys, like vanilla, cherry almond, sandalwood, lavender, lemongrass, Egyptian musk, that's one of my favorites, coconut, dreamsicle, leather, lumberjack, honeysuckle, fireside. Um, And there's also limited editions that get cycled in and out, and new scents are being added all the time, Uh, like pear, for instance, which we're doing the giveaway. And we also have our own scent called True Crime Pine. It's pretty cool. Uh, It's a scent made just... Just for us, it has our old school podcast logo on there. It's got our headshots. It says True Crime Guys. It's pretty cool. It's a unisex scent. Anybody can wear this. Um, it's almost like, to me, it smells like, it's almost like a sweet pine cinnamon, um, but also it, it has a good musk to it, too. It, it's, it smells very good. But because you guys are True Crime Guys listeners, you can use the word creeper, C-R-E-E-P-E-R, for 15% off your order at ohmygaia.com. That's O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com or at shop underscore ohmygaia on Instagram. Guys, you won't regret it. It's a great company. It's a, a small business, and it's it's does doing a lot of good, guys. It's not putting aluminum and paraben in your armpits like your speed stick has in it. You'll feel better. Now, a lot of people don't understand that this is just, this is not an antiperspirant, okay? This is an all-natural deodorant. It's okay for your body to sweat. I think that was like a like a common misconception, especially when you're in when you're like when you're younger and you're coming up through school and you know when you start wearing deodorant, it's like nobody wants to sweat, you know, nobody wants pit stains or whatever. But that's that's actually good for your body. You're releasing toxins, right? You just don't want to stink. <laughs> And that's Make what your this sweat deodorant. smell delicious. That's the key. Exactly. That's the key. It's okay. Everybody sweats. Like, that's fine. You know, you can get pit stains out of your clothes, and you can get them out a lot better when they're not full of chemicals from yes. your deodorant. So, guys, you won't regret it. Oh, my guy, it's very good price point for organic deodorant. Uh, the jars last forever, and uh, you guys will be happy with it. I know you will. All right, I think I found someone to give a free jar to this week. Maybe next week you can pick someone. I'm picking someone from Instagram that this week uh, mentioned us in their Instagram story, uh, and they were listening to our last week's episode about Kelly Bordeaux. We love it when you guys put us in your stories, and we share it on our story, and it's just good for everyone. Um, So Sarah 
Kayathi, Kayatha. I probably butchered your last name, but congratulations. We're going to send you a jar of pear. Oh, my Gaia. Um, she awesome. mentioned us in her story, so that, that can help your case. If you, want, if you want to win a jar in the future, maybe start mentioning us in your story or just tweet about us or whatever. Use social mm-hmm. media to share the show. Um, right. She, she uh, has goats, apparently. I'm looking at her Instagram now. So oh, that's cool. also kind of cool. <laughs> Animal lover. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, let, hit us up, message us on Instagram, Sarah, and we will f- connect you with Wendy to send you a jar of delicious pear. Oh, my Gaia. Yes. Congratulations. Awesome. Next awesome. week, we'll give away another jar. That's right. That's, you'll be hooked. You'll be hooked. That's right. Promise. That's right. All right, let's All go right. through some uh, people who took the time to rate and review five stars on iTunes this week. I want to say thank you to Diamond Dog 2014 in the U.S. Said we're best true crime guys. Love this podcast. Very informative um, and great banter between you. Michael's nervous laugh is the best. Okay. Thank you. Uh, QF EPI and down in Australia said late to the awesomeness. Freeloading as much as I can from this wonderful podcast. Well written and presented. <laughs> it's thoroughly enjoyable. Six out of five stars. Wow. I turned British at the end. No, Cherry that. That's okay. <laughs> Which takes us into a British review. The very next oh. one, V1973 from Great Britain. Great. Yeah. Love the banter between you two blokes. Uh, it said two, <laughs> two podcasters, but whatever. You're a bunch of uh, wankers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank um, you very much. Then we're back to the US for Miss Anna Banana 34. Said, can't get enough. Five stars. Absolutely love your guys' podcast. I'm hooked. Fire emojis. Then nice. we got Tabby, Tabby 2010 in the US. Said, great at work. Loves listening to us at work, apparently. Uh, Jaunty loves Paul and Cake in Australia. Five uh-huh. stalls, five fire emojis. We got two Aussie reviews this week? Yeah, and nice. a British one. That's what's up. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Hell yeah. And then we got uh, the last one. FG Hunter in the U.S. said, absolutely love your podcast. So thank you guys for taking the time Hell to do yeah. that. We love reading them. We love seeing Great them. Great way to help the show. Helps the show, even though it doesn't help us climb the rankings. That's based off of subscriptions, apparently. But still, we, we you know, it looks good on a podcast when they have a lot of good reviews. If someone's looking to get into like, oh, maybe I'll try these guys, and then they go and they look and they see that they have sixteen hundred reviews with an average of almost five stars. So, you know, they got four and a half star average with sixteen hundred. They're it's like right. They're already going into it thinking it's going to be good. You know, absolutely. And they go into it with the right mindset because a lot of people right. have already vouched for it. So it's, it definitely helps the show. No doubt. No doubt. Right on. Right, and so no, another way else? to help the show. Oh, yeah. Patreon. Patreon.com. Right. Patreon.com slash true crime guys. Two bucks a month, guys. Uh, gets you tons of extra episodes, tons of extra content, um, exclusive episodes that we will never release to the freeloaders. Sorry, guys. Um, but that's just that's just part of it. We do one episode a month. So um, if it's a week where you are looking for a True Crime Guys episode on a Wednesday and you don't get it, then it's on Patreon. I promise Actually, you this we week, it. if you sign up for Patreon this week, we're offering a two-for-one coupon on Joe's Roadside Sandwiches. Oh. So it's a great week well, to sign go. up. <laughs> yes, it's a great week. Is that at the $2 tier? If it is, that yeah, is a $2 bargain. tier gets you a two-for-one oh. sandwich. Joe's wow. Roadside Sandwich in Baltimore, Maryland. Man, where does he get the meat from, dude? He must be just getting a great deal on the meat. He must buy a lot of wholesale. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> Patreon.com, guys. We have we have three different tiers on there with with all sorts of different uh, prizes for patrons on there as well. Um, and then also we have our other show, Strange and Unexplained. Uh, that's a fairly new show. Episode eleven was just released this week. I believe it is released on Mondays. And 
guys, if you haven't heard that show, I'd appreciate it if you go give it a listen. Uh, both of us do. I, I mainly get to host that show. And then Lauren has a segment on there as well called Lauren's Synopsis, where he fills in all the blanks that I miss and also brings a different um, a different insight to the show, maybe a different opinion, or, or maybe we agree, and it just kind of helps recap the show. Yeah, but essentially, um, I just study the case. Michael sends it to me. I study it, and then I go yep. into it blindly, not having heard his take yet. I don't get to hear it. I just I give yes. my thoughts in like a four to anywhere from like three to ten minute rambling about what I thought about it, my theories yeah. as to you know depending on the case, depending on whether the person was innocent or not, or depending on who killed the person or whatever it is. I give right. my thoughts on the case, um, and yeah, it's a great show. And it is a hold on. Hey, True Grime True Guys, Grime production. guys production. production. Uh, dude, you got to send me just that clip. <laughs> I, I forgot to pull it from the other one. I'm going to start putting yeah. it in uh, in front of all of our stuff or maybe at the end or something. Okay. That'll be that'll be cool. Yeah. Yeah. But um yeah, guys, strange and unexplained. If you're if you're all caught up on True Crime guys and you want some more uh, TCG productions, you can check out Strange and Unexplained. There's also a Patreon page, patreon.com/s&upodcast. Um and you can get all kinds of extra content on there that I'm putting up. I have two other shorter shows that I do, one called The Palette Cleanser and one called Strange Shorts. Um, and I just focus... Strange Shorts is a little bit lighter crime or or typically it's older crime um, from maybe like 1700s, 1800s, uh, stuff that's just interesting, the way that crime has evolved through the years. And then The Palette Cleanser is... Um, it's like a more... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A uh, more structured version of Higher Thoughts. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's like Higher Thoughts for everybody. If you listen to Higher Thoughts on our Patreon page on True Crime Guys, which is still available, there's still 35 episodes. Um, I like to call it a complete series because yeah. that's it. It started and it ended, and that's where it needed to be. Um, but there's 35 episodes of Higher Thoughts on there. And um, it's also a good palate cleanser as well. So, you know, I know you guys look into a lot of true crime like we do. And uh, sometimes it can be a little overbearing. Sometimes it can feel like a cloud. Or maybe not. Maybe I know some people can study it, you know, day in and day out with, you know, no remorse. <laughs> but uh, Some people uh, studying crime for whatever reason brightens their day, makes them happier. Sometimes that does that to me. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, it just depends. Sometimes it makes me, sometimes it makes me grateful. You know what I mean? I'm like, wow. Yeah. yeah I guess, At least I'm I guess not that could have happened that, to me today. in this horrific event. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I, I, I'm. It gives you some perspective. It's like, oh well, yeah. shit. My life ain't that bad. You could know? be worse. Uh, it, it could always be worse. Yep. It could always be worse. But yeah, guys, I'd appreciate. It. We have both appreciate it. if you go check out Strange and Unexplained, uh, wherever you listen. Yeah. So, all right. And that about does it. Speaking of Patreon, next week is a Patreon exclusive episode for uh, True Crime Guys. So if you won't be able to hear us next week unless you're a patron member. So two bucks a month gets you in on the party. You can listen to a bunch of stuff on there and you'll be nice. able to hear next week's episode. So, Right. All right. And I guess and we'll be like giving away a jar to a patron member next week then, sounds like. Oh, shit. Yeah, I guess we will. Um, but yeah, and if you guys like the banter uh, on Patreon, we don't hold back on the banter. So uh, that's just it's just what we do. We kind of let loose on those crazy. episodes. <laughs> it can get crazy. Yeah, it can get crazy. There, there's a few tangents, and I'm uh, yeah. I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely being uh, modest about that. There's there's a, there's a yeah. shit ton of tangents, but yeah. uh, if you guys like that stuff, if you like that aspect of our podcast, I definitely recommend checking out the Patreon page. And for two bucks a month, I mean it's shit. That's like half a Starbucks coffee. So you know what I'm saying? 
not not that bad. So, all right, that's my that's my spiel, man. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, we're done. We're done. See you guys next week for a Patreon exclusive. Thanks for tuning in. Keep creeping. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder, get murder, get murder. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us, cause you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder charming.